You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian, with me, as always, the next coach of the San Jose Earthquakes. It's Harrison Crow. Say, hey, everybody, Harrison. If Caleb Porter doesn't beat me, too. Yeah, well, anything could happen, but I feel like you're the kind of guy that the San Jose Earthquakes need. Um, you're forward-thinking. Um, you won't sign a lot of Eastern European DPs. You... This is true. Uh, I also don't have uh, a middling record of success in the Swedish league, so maybe I'm not the type of coach they're looking for. You don't have a middling record of success in an uh, arguably comparable uh, level of league uh, in in Europe's lower echelons. That is true. Um, I hope that will not act against you. But, um, you know, maybe they'll just go completely completely outside of the box this i am wor- I, I do want to say i am working towards my e-level license ussf uh e-license right now so okay. um i think know. i have is that the first one yeah that's like the 4v4 like i'm just working on the the i'm, I'm trying to do it just so i can coach my son's soccer team like yeah so. i've i actually have that license too like and my main takeaway from that was like to serve orange slices at halftime and like i answered like a multiple question or a multiple choice question uh, test about that, and I, I passed with one hundred percent about, um, you know, should you overplay players until they're too tired to play? <laughs> no, it turns out. And oh, I'm so that's... glad you told me that because I would have gotten that one wrong. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of MLS coaches seem to get that wrong. Like, so I mean, like, all I have is my my E level, and I know how to manage minutes. But uh, it's <laughs> it's it's good to know either way. Um, I hope that didn't expire because should San Jose call, I want to be able to have that qualification ready. Well, exactly. Yeah, you, you, and you should. You should have. You should be prepared at all times for when San Jose, because after Steve Ralston walks, uh, you know they're going to need somebody else for when they fire their next coach. Um, well, I think the line of succession in San Jose is this: it was Gilstare, Steve Ralston, then you start going to your podcast guys, and that could be us. That could be. Hercules Gomez, um, Andrew Wiebe, um, you know, but I think we're in that mix. I think like in that whole podcast guys stage of the line of succession, um, you know, I, I'd hope we're in that conversation. I just assume it's like a one of those, uh, it's like the NBA lottery to where they have everybody's face on a ping pong ball and it's just like whoever pops out. Be great. Well, uh, we're joking about it, but we do have some some coach departures. I guess we can open up with that this week. Listen, uh, before we get into that, just this week, uh, we're starting our, our new series on the teams that are going to make the playoffs, and a little bit of a deep dive uh, on each of those teams, one from the West, one from the East per week. Um, this week, we've got Atlanta and uh, Sporting Kansas City. So if you don't like either of those teams, this would be a fair time to turn it off, and I, I wouldn't blame you because we're gonna we're gonna get in deep on that. But but I hope you stick around. Um, uh, and we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But we do have some league news. Um, Siggy Schmidt, gone. Uh, Makastari, gone. 
that's you know both sides of the Cali Classica right there are just uh, turning 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 their squads over to their second commands. We got Steve Ralston kind of stepping in at San Jose. We got Dominic Kinnear, uh, former San Jose guy, stepping in uh, for the Galaxy to finish the season. Uh, I honestly cannot blame either team for doing this. Uh, the timing is always weird on this, but I don't think there's ever great timing for it. Uh, what's your take on these things? Siggy Schmidt was one that obviously uh, it sounds like it was a little bit more mutual uh, than anything. Uh, like he he was ready for the departure. The team was ready for him to depart. So it was just it seemed like that was an inevitable parting, anyways. So why wait? You know, and, and I'm all good for that with that. You know, um, if the coach is ready to to leave. Um, one of my uh, one of the things I always talk about is let fail fast, right? If you're going to make a change, this is why like RSL uh, last year when when they made the change that they did, it was three games into the season. It was like, look, this isn't working. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make the, we're gonna slam the brakes. We're gonna make a quick move. Um, this is kind of the opposite of that. This they, this is kind of looking towards the end of the season. I wish LA kind of had somebody else besides Dominic Kinnear that they could hand the reins off to. I kind of suggested maybe uh, there there's a couple other assistant coaches that, coaches that I suppose would be interesting in my mind to hand it off to. Um, however, yeah, you want to see Robin Fraser take that over team? Just be real. Just, I, I would love Robin Frazier, but I don't know if he could come over from Toronto in the middle at the end of the season like that. Uh, I, I think Robin Frazier is absolutely the lead candidate right now, or at least that's, I shouldn't say he's the absolute, he's my absolute uh, MLS assistant coach uh, lead, lead candidate right now. Uh, you know, obviously Greg Burhalter is going to get courted, uh, you know. Yeah, I, they'll go for the usual names. And I, a team like San Jose could use like a Greg Barhalt or like a number nine whisperer, but they just need one for like every position on the field. They need like a numbers one through eleven whisperer. <laughs> so I don't know if even Greg Barhalt would be enough. But we've well, seen I was meaning names... more Burhalter being L A. Oh yeah, 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 you know. Of course, of course. Yeah, that's 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 far more likely. I think they have a little more cachet uh, to bring in a coach of his caliber. Um, that's assuming, of course, the United States men's national team doesn't come a call in. We've seen some other names kind of thrown around in the San Jose mix already. Caleb Porter, uh, who is a, a coach. Um, and then you've got... Uh, Did, now, real fast on Porter, didn't he remove his name from the LA Galaxy job? Like yeah, he, I, I like don't he know. He took his name out. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what Caleb Porter is up to. I was suspecting he would be in line for Cincinnati. That just seems like a more Caleb Porter-esque project. Um, but, but who knows? I mean, I, I, I would hope, I think, at some point, one of these teams, uh, particularly LA, uh, San Jose, I mean, you look at your MLS merry-go-round of coaches and, like, do you really want one of those guys again? Uh, or just This would be a good time to go outside and get somebody new. I know San Jose tried that and it didn't go you know, swimmingly, uh, but but I think there are better options. Out I think there. the other side of the coin for San Jose is that they have a lot of players, with the exception of like Chris Wondolowski, that haven't necessarily been MLS esque players for long periods of time. Right? They've gone and they've they've collected their talent. I think they what they need is they need a coach that can kind of come up with a direction for that talent and basically kind of 
uh, put them all on a on a track. I, I don't feel like Michael Starr ever did that. Like I, I feel like there was a really scattered uh, methodology, and, and there wasn't necessarily a defined system going forward. Um, and, and that's just my takeaway. I'm kind of you know a little bit yeah. more removed from it than I was last year, uh, yeah. where I spent I... a lot of time down there in San Jose. But this year, it just seems like there was less of a, a plan. I would think... you would you say like this was my impression I got, and I, it's hard to make. I felt like San Jose was constantly reactive this season. No, I think that's really good. Well, I, I mean, if you look at the way that they possessed the ball, um, they largely were kind of a counter-attacking team and uh, <clears throat> how they tried to go at it with a 4-4-2. I, I would have rather seen them been a little bit more um, aggressive, uh, still allowing uh, and seeding you know, that possession allowing teams to kind of have their, have their chances, but um, be a little bit more attacking oriented, just kind of admit that the Vaco's not this creative player, but he's still a player that's going to take a lot of shots. Uh, he's kind of like Sebastian Javinko. If Sebastian Javinko didn't know how to pass. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, right. use that. Um, yeah. There, the great thing about Chris Wondolowski is Chris Wondolowski doesn't need someone to supply him. He doesn't. That's so, true. you know, you, you take, you know, you don't try to create, have a creator in, in the middle of the park necessarily. Maybe put Jackson Ewell on there to where not, there isn't all this pressure on him to be the creator, but rather um, there's, uh, you're basically, you know, doing this head-on uh, counter-attacking using uh, the wings, such as like uh, Shea Sal- uh, Salinas and then um, the other side using Nick Lima to kind of cut down the park. You have a dozen center backs that are seemingly suddenly starting to be healthy um, that you can start using. And I would bring Youngworth back into the defensive line and use him uh, as kind of a, a third center back um, and leverage, you know, um, your defensive midfielders that you have to kind of help control the middle of the park and uh, push that ball out wide. Don't don't let them have so much uh, possession in the middle of the park. Let them send in, you know, crosses and, you know, take low leverage opportunities rather than have all... I, they're getting... Teams are penetrating against San Jose at the top of the box and they're getting really good shots. And that's... Honestly, it's it's funny because LA Galaxy and San Jose, the two biggest faults with those teams are that they can't defend. Yeah, that's true. And especially when you see how much, um, you know, just investment has gone into those back lines as well. It's just been staggeringly poor decisions in that area. And um, yeah, I agree. I, I've always said, even for the last couple of years, even through these somewhat disastrous uh, moments in in San Jose that I still see talent there. I still see a lot of players in that in that squad that I like. I like a lot that I'd put you know on different squads if I could. Um, you know, I I think you know you've got a good attack. You got a good forward in Danny Hosen. I think you've got a decent player in, in Erickson. I don't think he's maybe necessarily a DP caliber guy or somebody you want to build a team around, but he's a solid piece. You've got Fernandez. I love Jungworth. Um, you know, like there are pieces in there that I like you will like the kid, you know, like, like there are things that, that are there. I don't think that it's completely unsalvageable what you have, but I think that's like mostly unsalvageable with what you have. I, I see this needing to be a pretty comprehensive rebuild. 
See, and, and that might be, but I, I don't think you can make that determination. Well, I shouldn't say you can't make that determination. I mean, I can't. I have no right to. They certainly aren't well, asking my opinion. <laughs> you are if, you, if you were to come in and say, okay, scrap Erickson, scrap... And, and look, I'm totally okay with, with that. I don't think Erickson's done anything to warrant keeping him around next year. Uh, I think that they need to cash in on the trade ship that is Tommy Thompson. I think that he just... I don't see enough end product yet from him. And I think there's enough opportunity with him being young enough that he's still a trade ship around this league. I think there's still teams that could help reclaim his, his career. And yeah. I think that it'd be, it's a good time to kind of make that separation. I think if you make a few of those openings, um, you can probably leverage that and bring in some pieces that can, uh, that can help you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't see a very in-demand market for Thompson. I mean, I know a lot of teams that would like him, but I don't know that a lot of teams that would give up much for him. Well, uh, I mean, think about think about Seattle acquiring Harry Ship. I mean, I, I feel like that's uh, it's a good analog. Uh, yeah, you know, sure, sure. For for those, and you know, Harry Ship was what three years older at the time. So uh, you know, there's teams out there that are that are going to you know could possibly take a chance. And to be perfectly honest. You know, why wouldn't a team like Atlanta take a chance? Why wouldn't a team like Orlando or Colorado even? You know, Colorado would be my my pick. I mean, I just I think that could be a great island of misfit um, MLS promising youngsters. Like, let's get Jose Villarreal there. We've already got Jack McBean. We got Kellen Acosta. Uh, let's get Tommy Thompson there. Let's send Tommy McNamara there. <laughs> let's just see this team build and then watch them become my favorite team in the league all of a sudden. So. Um, yeah, it's an interesting situation there. Uh, I know that we kind of have discussed this before on the show that, that that probably was going to happen at some point. I thought he might get another year just because it's a weird transition, but I also understand when in, the team kind of looks like this, when the results are going this way, there's not much you can do that isn't firing the coach um, if you want to make a drastic change. So I, I certainly... I uh, don't think this bodes well for San Jose, and I, I don't know what to expect from them in the future, but um, I do understand uh, that, that difficult decision and why it had to be made. We have, a, we have an upcoming cup game. Yeah, I see this on my rundown here. I, what, what, what is this? This is this is the yeah. So I thought I was so I did the rundown this uh, this yeah. this week, um, and uh, the Cap uh, Capiones Cup. Campiones. Uh, Liga MX Campiones. champion versus. Uh, uh, MLS Cup champion. Uh, is this a thing now? I, I don't, this, I... is, this is this is the thing that the people want. This is the okay. people. The, the this is the thing that people were clamoring for, Ian. Okay, but like, what? It's in the middle of the season. Like, not a great time either for Toronto. They really need to be focused on every major league soccer game right now. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a a good or bad thing for Toronto. To be perfectly honest, you can say that, but like at this stage, they have less than a two percent chance to get the sixth spot. So, uh, I know like uh, everybody that's listening to this is like, yes, that means that they they need to take advantage of their opportunity. No, I mean like, look, <laughs> you you have a two and a half percent chance to make the playoffs at this stage. You, you take it, you know what. Uh, you need to try to leverage your opportunities as best as you can, but this is probably your best. This is probably your best chance to make up some of that playoff money uh, revenue that you that you, you're probably going to make or expecting to make. Um, so at least it's a it's a good thing for them in their front office. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess. And, and to be perfectly honest, they're kind of getting to a point to where they're healthy enough to where they're 
probably not going to be too embarrassed by Tigres. Although I do think Tigres is probably going to win. Uh, where is it? Uh, it's a it's a it, home and home. Um, oh, so it's a two leg series. It, it okay. is. It is. So they will be going Great. to Mexico. So smart. Oh, love that scheduling. Yeah, um, yeah, okay, it's... but like, even if this wasn't this year, like, okay, so this year that works out for Toronto fine, I guess, because who cares? But like, you wouldn't have expected them to be in the situation. You'd probably be expecting them to like compete for a supporter shield at this point, not. And like, you're gonna throw two extra games at them in September? Ugh. Is there nothing we won't do for money in this league? I mean, the answer is no. The answer is obviously no. Uh, best of luck to Toronto Football Club and 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 T Grace on this. Uh, what I'm sure will be a monumental uh, accomplishment and trophy that will be uh, cherished by supporters for years to come. Uh, let's go ahead and let's start talking playoffs. Let's start talking about the the, the, the the matches that matter. We're getting to this point in time where we've got a handful of games left in the season. Uh, mostly these things are starting to take shape. Obviously, the back end of these uh, playoff races still a lot to be resolved, so we're going to kind of wait on that here. But I think this week, we've got two very sure things um, that are definitely going to the playoffs. Um, and uh, let's start in the East uh, with everybody's favorite team, Atlanta United. Yeah, um, they're, they're the greatest. They are the best team. Now, uh, we have playoff probability percentage at 100%, which is good. That's as good as you can do. Um, they have already clinched. There's, there's no chance of them missing it. Uh, for them right now, it's mainly two things, I think. It's battling for that number one seed and that supporter shield and not suffering any catastrophic injuries between now and the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's pretty much it, right? Um, because at this point in time, they have half a percent possibility with the remaining games to get uh, the third seed. So, I mean, it's almost 100% that they have a first round buy at this stage. They have a 70% chance of getting supporter shield. So, I mean, yeah, the devastating injuries thing is like, just don't die. <laughs> don't go out there. Now, it's interesting because one of the things that happened last year, I think, and that is a fair criticism, I think, of Tata Martino, who's mostly done everything right, is that, uh, you know, he really has not gone to his depth very much at all, even this year. Um you know, we're seeing a lot of minutes on, on, from Almiron again. We're seeing a lot of minutes this time from Joseph Martinez, who stayed healthy this year, which has been good. Um, but last year, you know, those like Atlanta kind of looked out of gas by the time Columbus came into town, and I, I think that showed. So uh, looking at just kind of the rundown of what we have in front of us, uh, we have Atlanta players with 500 minutes, right? Almiron has played all, five, uh, all 28 matches. Jeff Lorenowitz has played all 28 matches. Uh, those, uh, Joseph Martinez, Almiron, Lorenowitz, those are the three that I've, that I've done that and played every game so far, which Michael Parkhurst played, uh, 27. And then he's, uh, in that 27, he made one substitution. Julian Gressel played 27 games. Uh, and then you have Brad Guzon, 27 games. I think he missed one because of the red card. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. He and Perez each missed some games due to suspensions, I believe. Yeah, uh, I, I mean that's, I mean consistency. That's that's your core. That's the core of that team. Yeah, very absolutely. Much so, yeah. 
Right. Um, I, I mean, if you're going to like name names off the top of your head, Parkhurst, Gressel, Lorenowitz, uh, Guzon, those, that's kind of the, the core outside of, you know, you, yeah, Almiron, Martinez, those are going to be the guys that come off the, everybody's lips first because those are the attacking, bright, shiny players. But Perez, uh, Parkhurst, Gressel, Lorenowitz, that, and Guzon, that's what's really kept that team intact. I mean, they're number one in the least amount of expected goals against the season. And yeah, people don't focus on that much because the attack gets so much attention, but it's really been that they've shorn up that defense so well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And not only that, but, they, you know, they have a pretty deep team as far as uh, that goes. I mean, Mikey Ambrose has stepped in and played 700 minutes this year um, with Garza's injury. Um, Franco Escobar has stepped in and played almost 1,500. Chris McCann has over 1,500 minutes. I mean, these are guys that I probably wouldn't have wouldn't, when I started looking through. I didn't realize how frequently they, they've stepped in and played roles on this team this year. I don't think you would honestly like think of a guy like Chris McCann as a contributor, but I mean it's hard to say that he hasn't stepped into like a couple roles and been a versatile player. I know he was kind of, um, I, I was I used him as a, a blunt object for mocking last season, and and this year he's he's kind of really kind of I think come good and repaid some of that faith they've had in him. Um, you know, obviously not an elite star, like not going to be the guy that's you know going to make them out rush more of Atlanta players, but but they'd be a lot worse without him. No, I, and I really agree. And, you know, uh, with that being said, you still have Hector Viaba, who we haven't really mentioned. Yeah, um, I mean, he's a bench option now. That's that's like last year they had no real bench option. They had Kenwin Jones, who was, you know, Kenwin Jones. He was older and he just, you know, he did his thing. But, you know, now they've got an actual guy, that, like, a very dangerous weapon they can pull off the bench. And that, that's given them like a, a whole different kind of uh facet late in games now um, and especially in a playoff series where they tend to be so close and they tend to come down to things that happen in the last 10 15 minutes of a tie um, it's 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 pretty nice to have them there well and then you talk about you, you're talking about their bench options and their depth they also now that they have you know Darlington Nagby who looks to be healthy and starting again you also have Eric uh, Ramit Remedy, yeah, um, who's who's played 500 minutes since joining the club back in, uh, I think it was late July or early August, who's yeah, kind of yeah, been yeah. their their number six uh, destroyer, who's their, you know, hopefully, and I'm using air quotes there, their replacement for Carmona from last year uh, season. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily think he'll be in the same uh, vein or same quality, but he, again, it's more depth and it's uh, it's not necessarily high tier quality, but it's it's quality that's going to be impacting to to uh, come off the bench and be able to run around and absolutely just cause havoc. He does a job. He does the job they ask him to, and he does it uh, competently. There's there's not much more we can we can ask from our MLS players sometimes. Um, uh, quick question for you. Uh, Nagby coming back into the fold, uh, you know, we saw him, uh, kind of start, uh, the season. It looked like it was a pretty, pretty good acquisition. I know they they spent a lot to bring him in. Uh, then we saw Atlanta without Darlington Nagby and they seem to still be pretty good. Um, does he actually make this side a much better team? Do you think? You know, I think that's a fair question. I think that, um, I think that they can't he can make them a better team i think the question is is in what way is he going to make them better uh and, and i say that in that context because teams are going to bunker against atlanta that's that's what we've seen right that's that's the style that's how you combat that just that lethal attack so 
they're going to have to be stronger in possession. And I think that le- uh, lends itself to, to Darlington Nagby's uh, talents is in possession, in passing that ball. We, we see that through the expecting passing scores, through expected build-up scores, um, through XPG. Um, you know, we're seeing these scores basically tell us that Darlington Nagby's really good soccer player he's just not necessarily one of those guys that's going to put always put in that final bar or even be uh the person that's uh that's going to be scoring these goals um he definitely has these moments but he's really good in the build-up and so from this perspective i think getting nagby back will actually make them better i think if i had a pamphlet that i would give people for hard to judge by numbers <clears throat> i would put darlington nagby on the front of that pamphlet and say like let's talk about these guys uh, he does. He just kind of fills this middle role that it, it seems hard to, um, when it's not being done well, you notice, but when it's being done competently, you barely notice at all. And, and I think that he kind of suffers from that. But, but overall, uh, I think any team is obviously going to be better with Arlington Nagby. Like, uh, he's he's just, uh, you know, he, he's good at possession. He's good at, at passing, at build up, And these things, they're not flashy. They don't, they don't make the highlight shows, you know. They don't. They don't make our columns usually, but but they're 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 good. They're important things that happen, and um, <clears throat> it, it's never bad when you have one of the best in the biz at it. So, we we say all this stuff. Um, one thing that, that also came out of my mind uh, came out kind of looking at this is they've been really apt to use a three four one two this year. In fact, they've used it eleven times according to the starting lineups that have been published according to the data that we have, right? Um, that means that they've used uh, some semblance of a second striker. So whether that's Al Moran, whether that's um, Barco, whether that's Fiaba, um, those are the various partners that have kind of shown up next to Martinez. It'll be really interesting to see who those other, you know, midfielders are going to be, because I would assume that you're going to have Gressel on one side. On the left side, I really don't know who's going to be that, that, that midfield or that person out there on the on the left side uh because it really was great garza beforehand and it seems like with garza's injury they've kind of gone away from that but i feel like it would give them some ability to absorb some of that centralized counterattacking. um so i'm kind of curious to see if they go back to that is that something that you think that they would do or do you think they're going to continue on with that single striker oh they're going to keep doing exactly what they've been doing and doing the great effect and i think they're crazy to stop doing that um <clears throat> this is one of the situations where like um chris I don't McCann. Know, I, chris mccann's been filling that yeah, yeah it, it, sorry it, 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 i was trying to figure out who that was because it was killing yeah. me but we just mentioned chris mccann and <laughs> yeah there he is there he is um uh, i would be surprised i mean like it, it, they could i mean depending on on the matchups what potential matchups they have um i i don't i i they they you know like it we used to laugh about uh, like back in the day there was there was Barcelona when they were in their, their greatest heyday and winning like seven trophies a season, where it was like it doesn't take a genius manager to know what they're going to do. Like it's up to us to you know it's up to this team to stop them. Like it doesn't matter. Like we know who they're going to play, we know how they're going to play, but thus far it's it's been difficult to unlock. Now Atlanta hasn't been unbeatable. Um, you know they've certainly taken some losses and draws and and um, you know they're they're not. Uh, without faults, and that they can have bad games. But I, if I'm Tata Martino, I'm looking at this team that's probably won the Supporter Shield. I'm looking at this elite group of guys I got. I'm looking at how they're working together, and I'm thinking, like, you know what? Like, show us what, show us you can beat this. Show us how. Yeah, no one has really proven that they can dominate it yet, except Houston. 
<laughs> oh, poor Houston. And look, it, not just Houston, but uh, also DC United. DC United's, you know. DC United Like I said, they have bad games. It, it does happen. Uh, DC United obviously is also a potential matchup for them, possibly, uh, in the playoffs. So that would be uh, that would be enjoyable to see. Um, let's take a look at Let's take a look at, at kind of uh, these advanced stats here, and let's just kind of say, uh, so it looks like overall possession, 53%. Um, expected passing, uh, third in the Major League Soccer. Um, expected passing against, eighth in Major League Soccer. Expected goals for, first in Major League Soccer. Expected goals against, second best in Major League Soccer. And expected goal difference, negative 24.2 is the best in Major League Soccer. Oh, sorry, that's a, that's a hyphen. I apologize. Yeah, oh, no problem. Just, just oh, 24, negative. <laughs> yeah, plus. Just negative 24.2? 24.2 is correct. Negative 24.2 would not be first in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, this, uh, the, these numbers, like, they look great. This is the, this is the, this is the return of, uh, of, this is what a really, really dominant team looks like. You know, it, it, what's funny is I started thinking about this. Um, with all the talk about last year in Toronto, this is what I expected when I dug through Toronto last year. Like, this is the type of success that I expected. Mm-hmm. I expected this this huge expected goal differential number. I expected this gaudy expected goal numbers. I expected uh, these really good, solid possession numbers. Uh, the, these dominant um, stylistic numbers that, that says that it imposes not just um, its success, but also its will, right? And as much as everybody says, oh, Toronto was really good at doing that, um, it, they kind of, at least from the numbers perspective, that's not true. Yeah, they definitely outperformed. I think that's the crazy thing about Atlanta, right? Is that aren't they under their XGD? I, they're very, they're, they're like neck and neck, just about. Like last year, we definitely said, okay, we're going to look at Atlanta and see this regression. Because like they went way over their 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 expected goals numbers, um, and this year instead of regressing, <laughs> like they just made their expected goals numbers better, and uh, now they match. So it's like I have a hard time looking at them and going like, well, this is the result of a lot of good fortune or a lot of things that have gone on this way. <clears throat> and that's not to say it hasn't. Atlanta has had significant amounts of good fortune this year, as many many successful teams do. Um, but I think I, I don't there's no reason for me to look at these and go like eh, this might fall apart at any time. Like this is a solid base. Like this has foundation. This this is not a house of cards. And, and it's not to say that like Toronto. Uh, just because Toronto didn't make the playoffs uh, and look last year, I was very vocal as. I, I didn't understand what necessarily Toronto was super good at. They, I kind of surmised that they were really good at game states and controlling the state of the game. Um, that was kind of the, the thing that I came away from. And just because they didn't make the playoffs this year doesn't necessarily mean that um, the last year's numbers were were indicative of their lack of success. I really think that a large percentage of why they've had so much trouble is because of the injuries that they've oh, yeah. sustained on that back line. So I'm not in any ways trying to be any way trying to be like, well, see, because they didn't have numbers, you know, all oh, everybody talked about them being, I thought that they were a really good, really deep team and even good deep teams uh, in MLS uh, can go through about two or three injuries and just cripple their team. Yeah, it's not it's not unusual. It's something we've seen happen every year to teams. 
Um, and certainly, uh, I think that Toronto's issues uh, have more to do with that than they do with anything that our numbers would have shown. But, um, you know, uh, it's uh, okay. Let's look at individuals. Obviously, top expected goals Joseph Martinez, 25, best in the league. Top expected assists Miguel Almiron, 9.5, best in the league. Top expected buildup Miguel Almiron, 28.23, best in the league. And best ex passer Michael Parkhurst, 20th in Major League Soccer. So. It's also important to make reference that Parkhurst was in the top 10 of expected buildup as well. So, I mean, when we talk about a lot of stuff that, you know, especially within defenders, and I know uh, there, there's a few people that are really good on Twitter for pointing out Marker, Michael Parker's ball skills. Uh, man, I could not get that out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he's really good on the ball. His ability to beat lines, uh, multiple lines, is just... He just has a really great knack for it. Doesn't always show up every game, but he can just absolutely uh, deliver a brilliant ball. And uh, so that was something that, uh, yeah, that I thought was really great. And it it, st- it stands out as being one of the reasons why Atlanta is so good uh, possessing the ball and in their buildup uh, in the attack. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's just get this down to. Um... Okay, I, I like how you've written this here. We let's let's give each give a reason. Uh, one reason why Atlanta won't make Major League Soccer Cup for you. So uh, I said their defense is good, but they're error prone, and they have the seventh highest uh, accumulation of yellow cards in MLS. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that could be one of their undoing. Uh, we saw it last year with NYC. Uh, Alexander uh, Kayans, uh went ahead and uh, made kind of a slight error <laughs> yeah. uh, going, uh, got a red card. And I think I want to say it was uh, in the middle of the game, maybe in the early second half. Uh, yeah, it was. For, and it, it changed everything. It, it did. And I feel like, so. I, I mean, Perez or Parkhurst getting a red card, uh, uh, even, you know, uh, let's be honest, like most likely, most likely Perez. Ninety <laughs> percent certain. If there's yeah. someone, that, yes. That, <laughs> betting markets fact yeah. check that. Yes, yeah. it's going to be on Perez or McCann or somebody like that. Probably not Parkers, but um, yeah. Nonetheless, yeah, that's a good point. Um, for me, uh, I'm going to say I, I hit it on it earlier, and that was just going to be uh, running out of gas. If it happens again this year, uh, you know, it, it, it in these kinds of series, it takes like shutting off for 30 minutes as a team and you're out of a tie um i don't think it's gonna happen (laughs) but if there is a reason for it i I think it's going to be just a lapse of concentration or just simply um a niggling injury here there um maybe even like a a couple players picking up minor knocks and trying to play through them and just not being as optimal as they could be yeah i i i could definitely say that. that's a good call uh all right and then we've got uh, the reasons why Atlanta will make the MLS Cup final. Uh, you, you go ahead and start on this one. I think we'll probably say the same things. Yeah, uh, basically the, the, the number one reason for me is that they have just the most dominant attack in, in MLS. Uh, uh, Joseph Martinez, had, last year we were a little skeptical, even going into the season uh, after you know the month or two, we were a little bit skeptical with his uh, PKs, but the PKs have died away and he's still scoring goals. And it's undoubtable. It's completely in precise uh, coordination with his uh, expected goals. 
he's just uh he's just really good and i think with him and almiron up top um it's easy to see why those two could combine and just destroy the east uh with those with those two and add in barco and viaba and uh these different um pieces that they can interject even from on offset pieces um they've been really strong so yeah I think that, that that would be my number one reason why they would make MLS Cup right now. Yeah, my reason is that they're the best team in the league, and that's really all I can say about it. They have the best players, and um, they're really good, and I don't see a lot of teams beating them. You know, the teams that do give them trouble, like weirdly, like DC, um, you know, NYCFC have always played them close. Red Bulls have kind of been... Um, you know, similar, like, they're definitely tougher matchups for them in this series, and it's not impossible that, that, like I said, that they don't show up one game, and that's that, but the quality is just so high here. I, I It would be a shock to me if they weren't in the, the MLS Cup Final. I would be, that would be the most surprising thing to me out of this playoff series. Uh, you know, I, I still have, uh, we made the friendly wager last last uh week that i have new york uh, finishing ahead of them in the in the supporter shield i still think it's possible um and i wouldn't be shocked to see new york in place of atlanta but i i mean if i, I don't expect in any way columbus or um, dc or philadelphia to beat atlanta and that's not to like say either any of those teams are bad teams um just Atlanta's that dominant. They they've earned uh, they've earned the respect to say that that is the number one team in the East. You know, I think if any of those teams had Atlanta in a play-in game like they did last year, and it was just a one-off, it's possible. But over two legs, I think that's just gonna it's gonna be too much to kind of resist for for 180 plus minutes. Um, let's move west. Let's well, move west first. First, I ha- I have a youth to watch. So so you you've been throwing Harrison's young guns in there. Uh, I, I did I did a, a young uh, player to watch for uh, Atlanta. He probably won't make the field. However, uh, somebody to watch for them over the couple next couple years. Uh, Miles Robinson, who's a defensive center back, uh, he has so far early on uh, only 300 400 minutes um, roughly. He has uh, won 78 percent of his defensive events, uh, and currently MLS average is 66 percent. So. Um, Michael Parkhurst, uh, for example, is winning 77%. So he was second overall pick last year. Um, he's kind of fallen off in terms of stock and notoriety, but uh, he's still a really fantastic uh, young center back, somebody to watch. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if we see him involved in the playoffs, then something will have gone very wrong for Atlanta and not in their plans. But it's it's good to have him there as a, as a backup. Um, but but certainly I, I don't I don't expect him to play a big part going forward. So um, in the future, though, a young gun through and through Miles Robinson. Let us not forget his name. Uh, all right, we got to let's move out west. Let's let's talk Sporting Kansas City. We've done some Sporting Kansas City talk on this show before. Um, I don't have they clinched. Have they officially clinched a playoff? They have uh, according to our numbers. They are sitting at a hundred percent. That's a very good percentage again uh, with that. Um, you know, uh, I said when we talked about this a few weeks ago that I thought this was probably the best team in the West, and uh, they have kind of gotten pretty good. Like I feel like they they were kind of there was a brief dip in form after I uh, endorsed them, um, but but they've come back. They've come back with a vengeance. And, I mean that, uh, that's that's a given. 
that's a given. That's always uh, they look extremely strong right now. Um, just played Michael Starr out of a job. Uh, you know, like they're just uh, we're starting to see Diego Rubio coming alive. Um, you know, they still are kind of built on the back of this core, this spine that's so strong. Um, you know, not as dominant as it was last season, but but still very very good. And uh, Felipe Gutierrez is back, by the way. So, um, yeah. Uh, where do you kind of foresee this team finishing here? Well, uh, according to Matthias's uh, uh, prediction model, they're sitting at 60% to finish with the number one seed. Uh, they're f- sitting at 86% to get a, a uh, first round buy. So uh, for those that are trying to do the math at home, that's 62% in the number one seed, about 25% in the second seed. So they have a really good sh- chance at the at this point to basically miss uh, any play-in game, which um, to be perfectly honest, I don't think that anybody would want to see Sporting Kansas City in a play-in game. I think that they're like the anti-Atlanta uh, when it comes to that. I feel like if you need to play one team hard for 90 minutes, Sporting Kansas City would not be the team you choose. No, I wouldn't want to chase them around for 90 minutes. That can that can set the tone for the rest of the playoffs for, for a team. So uh, they are lying in wait, I think, is what you're saying very likely here for someone. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. Uh, I made mention that Toronto only has a 2% chance at getting to the playoffs right now. Sporting Kansas City has a better chance at winning the Supporter Shield right now at three percent, uh, just over. <laughs> so uh, for those for those that are clinging on to uh, 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 you know Toronto to to reclaim the sixth seed, um, yeah, you have a better better chance at uh, seeing Sporting Kansas City win the uh, win the Supporter Shield. So so like they'd have to win out in Atlanta, and Red Bulls would have to lose out basically. That's crazy. Something uh, like that. Yeah, well, that would be astonishing. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so we're probably looking at the top seed in the West, uh, top two seeds, not a play-in team. This is going to be a team lying in wait. Uh, this is a team that has stuck to their guns. Now, while we were looking at Atlanta earlier, uh, you know, we said that they tried a couple different formations. They have a couple different mix-ups. Sporting Kansas City, no. Same thing, Four-three-three. Yeah, no, they've done 28 games of the Four-three-three. Yeah. Uh, this is this is the Vermes way. This is how they're going to play. Um, you know, they well, Atlanta might have a tactical surprise in, in plan or, or in mind or, or in their locker someplace. Sporting Kansas City is going to play Sporting Kansas City style ball, and um, it, it's it, again, it's one of those things where it's up to teams to stop them. And thus far, teams have not been super great at it. So, um, what do you see kind of as like the core of this team? Like, what is this team built around right now? But it's really their midfield, right? Uh, Ily Sanchez, Roger Espinoza, and then some mixture of either Johan Kroizet or uh, Felipe Gutierrez. It's kind of been kind of a mixture of the two uh, during the season just because Gutierrez has been uh, uh, been injured. But I think with him getting healthy now and kind of being back, he's, he's more the full-time starter. Um, the other side is you also always have Graham Zussi in that mix. Uh, Tim Melia has been nigh uh, untouchable. I mean, three guys, Zussi, Sanchez, and Melia, have yet to miss an entire minute this season. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty fantastic when you They're think important. about it. So. They're important players to their team. Um, you kind of surround them with, uh, you know, Matt Beasler, um, like Opara, like this isn't the the shutout machine that it was last year. I think even, well, I think like 
Seattle's letting fewer goals. Atlanta's letting fewer goals. So they, they're like a little bit more. Um, they're a little bit less of, of, of the thing. Tamilia isn't, you know, still very good, but not deified as he was during last season. Um, they are they are beatable there, I think, to a degree, and I think that's the reason why they're probably not more in this supporter shield course. Uh, but man, if I could pick any back line, it's hard to argue with this one, even with you know a, a young left back. Well, and, and yeah, Jalen Lindsay has really stepped up. So I did Atlanta youth kind of because I wanted to talk about Jalen Lindsay, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and as much as Robinson's really intriguing, you know, he had a stellar uh, career at Syracuse uh, coming in at second overall pick. Lindsay's been equally, um, ama- equally and even more so amazing just because of, I mean, the guy's 18 years old. Um, you know, he's, he's an 18 year old man child. Um, out there on the left, uh, left back side. So um, he's winning ni- uh, 90% of his defensive events out that back side, which is like, that's just shocking to me. Like I, I started looking at, at these guys and that, that kind of blew me away. I had to give some context. Like uh, Graham Zussi is about 75%. Uh, Nick Lima was about 74%. These are, those are the fullbacks that immediately, like I, I when I'm interested, I want to see how they're doing. So, uh, yeah, uh, Jalen Lindsay is, uh, is a real thing, a real thing there for, for that team. And uh, he can be a difference maker. He can. And, uh, you know, we are extremely pro hashtag player kids here. So we definitely love to see stuff like this. Um, kind of looking more now on Sporting Kansas City's maybe fringier players. Um, you know, do you see that a lot of impact guys on the bench uh, for them right now, like just options they can kind of mix it up with it all in that in that way. Yeah, so it's re- it's going to be really kind of interesting to see how they're going to go about this, right? Because Johnny Russell is is their he's not their top scorer, but when it comes to the underlying numbers, he's been the 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 top creator. Uh, Daniel Shalloway, of course, is is right there with him. Um, and then you kind of have you know Kyrie Shelton, uh, Jerso Fernandez, who's been starting a lot out there on the wing. Um, uh, Crozet, you have to kind of wonder how much he's going to play a part. And, you know, I've been less apt to criticize him as a lot of people. I think he's still a really interesting player. Uh, he's maybe not the, the DP game altering, um, player that, uh, perhaps a lot of people wanted him. And I think probably sporting Kansas city need that in some way. Um, and then they also have, you know, uh, Christian Namath who, uh, you know, easy to forget about because he hasn't gotten a lot of minutes, uh, especially coming over in that trade. So um, yeah, they got some, they have some, uh, some interesting players off the bench. The one thing that I'm a little bit more skeptical of though, is that they don't have a very deep uh, central midfield. And so I'm a little bit worried about that um, in terms of uh, where they might go. Um, but certainly up top in the attacking, I mean, they have five, six names, uh, Diego Rubio, another one, uh, that you could throw in, uh, that, you know, definitely could be, uh, um, I think on any given day are all near the same kind of talent range. Yeah. Uh, Diego Rubio, of course, um, <clears throat> uh, relatively famous right now for uh, having a goal scored, uh, per 90 higher than Joseph Martinez, at least going into last weekend. Maybe that's not true anymore, but, uh, certainly the kid is hot. The kid is on fire. Um, I, feel, I feel like they're just playing him, waiting for him to simmer down so that they can play Nemeth. Yeah, but he's just not 
he's not complying no. uh, at all with those plans. <laughs> but it's cool because, like, Tino Rubio has been one of these guys that's been around for a while, and um, he's someone I've been waiting to to, to see pop. And I, I kind of feel like they're what, like three years into him, four even, um, something like that. Yeah, he's he's been around for for a little bit. Like usually, if, if you know you got a guy, you know, kind of on this higher contract, like usually, like if he hasn't done something, if you haven't gotten a return on him in a couple of years, you, you cut him loose. So clearly, there's something that Vermeer sees. There's something that, that front office sees, that coaching staff, um, and, and and looking around at, at, at like the how players kind of like like clearly like Shalloway likes to play with him. Like I, I think there definitely is something there, and and maybe this is just kind of his coming out party. And, and next year, uh, Diego Rubio is going to be just you know a dang force, but. Uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm glad to see this kid finally getting some opportunities. I'm glad to see him finally coming good on some of this promise and repaying some of the faith that obviously like Peter Vermees has had in him. No, oh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I agree. He, I do um, have some questions about his viability uh, going forward just because he doesn't create a lot of shots. But uh, he does create a couple of, uh, of high leverage opportunities. Like It's not as if... Um, the shots that he gets aren't good. It's more of uh, that he just doesn't get a lot of them. All right. Let's look at <clears throat> SKC team stats-wise. Possession overall this year, 55.9%. That's on the higher end. Uh, this is a team that likes to have the ball. This is a team that does a lot of short passing. Uh, this is uh, almost a bygone era of, of, of football <laughs> in this country. Uh, they are not looking to do too much counterattacking. They're going to possess. They're going to pop shots. They're going to they're kind of build slowly. Um, Expected passing uh, for 353, that's top in the league, as we said, um, against 144, that's third in the league. Uh, so this is obviously, like we said, a very possession-oriented team. Um, expected goals, they are fourth in the league. Expected goals against, they're also fourth in the league. Uh, and no surprise, expected goal difference, they are fourth in the league. Does that kind of tell you anything about, about where, where they are in the MLS hierarchy? One thing about the their expected passing against really stands out is the fact that they that central midfield makes it so difficult to complete passes, so difficult to to build passes to work through that middle of that field. Um, they they just do a really great job of being disruptors, and that's kind of Vermees style, right? Um, even though they've they've kind of allowed a little bit more. Uh, goals against they're still a really good defensive team we see that with the just you know being fourth best in uh in expected goals against um and so and, and with that they've made the improvements on the attack they're not uh they're not a one-trick pony they don't have a joseph martinez but their entire team is going to collectively um, create opportunities. And what I've really loved about uh, Sporting Kansas City is this year, they have kind of built their team around um, basically playing roulette. They're going to take um, maybe a dozen to 15 shots, sometimes even close to 20 shots outside the box. And these aren't, um, these aren't really high quality looks. Uh, but the opportunity, the opportunity basically presents itself, and they're going to take a quick shot. It's it's reminiscent in hockey to where basically one person's out of uh, out of position and you take a quick shot. These aren't uh, you know uh, cr- nice, beautiful build up uh, slip passes into the box. These are all right. Uh, you know what? I ha- don't have somebody marking me. Yeah, I'm 25 yards out, but I'll try to take a shot at the upper uh, the upper 90. Why not? 
shoot on site policy for sporting Kansas City, no doubt. Um, certainly they're gonna they're gonna pop off. Uh, speaking about individuals, um, team leaders here, expected goals, Johnny Russell, uh, 6.6. He's 36 in Major League Soccer. Uh, expected goal assists, actually, Graham Zuzzi. Surprise, surprise to no one if they read American Soccer Analysis, but maybe those that have been slacking on that. Uh, 18th in Major League Soccer, 6.2. That's pretty outstanding for a right back. Um, yeah, yeah. Top expected buildup, no surprise here, Eli Sanchez, uh, second Major League Soccer, and the best expected passer, Mabiesler, uh, top in the league. Uh, he is sort of that metronome from the back. Uh, he kind of is the, the rock on which this formation uh, system is built. Um, yeah, it, like you said, this is an attack by committee. This is a um, this is a system team. This is a this is a team. This is not a, a collection of you know five or six good players surrounded by a supporting cast of whoever. Uh, you know, this is a very singular, cohesive unit. And I think that's kind of what I see in this, uh, looking at these. No, absolutely. And, you know, uh, Matt Beasler, going back, I, I want to say go back to 2015, he, uh, I believe, has the highest expected assists by a center back uh, in MLS. So, um, and Graham Zussi's. Graham Zussi, we're not talking about a right back that overlaps and just crosses the ball in. The the guy is so much more than just, you know, hoofing those crosses in. Now, it's not as if Sporting Kansas City is above doing that, but um, it's it's about, again, finding those opportunities where there are guys that are situated just beyond the 18 that are unmarked. And zussi has been really good about finding those ping pong uh, passes, just like Beasler is, you know, one of the best at... Uh, helping create uh, goals uh, from the center back position. Zussi has been one of the best in terms of buildup um, outside of uh, uh, Sanchez and Beasler. So the Zussi, Beasler, Sanchez, these are, these are the core guys that, uh, again, it's that central midfield plus Zussi that are just uh, making things happen. Uh, it, this team's really good. Team is very, very good. And then, um, I'll do that in a second when we get to that part. Um, all right. Uh, what's next here? We got one reason. Okay. Uh, what's the reason why Sporting Kansas City may falter and not make the Major League Soccer Cup final? So I, I phrase this that they don't have enough firepower or attack. And that's that's the narrative. Um, let me change it and kind of put it in perspective for the ASA rub, right? Um, we already know they're going to create shots. That is a given. The Sporting Kansas City team can do it. Why they might not make MLS Cup is because they go on a drought. And we've seen that from Sporting Kansas City this season. We've seen it over the years uh, with just the way that they go about shot creation. is a little bit different. They're opportunistic. And that kind of sometimes lies in the fact that they might not get very good looks. And, you know, most of the time that's good for one, two goals. But it also kind of sits there and you can go a good 100, 200 minutes without seeing a goal. And over two legs, uh, you know, I talked about Atlanta wouldn't be the team that I'd want to face. Or Atlanta would be the team that you might want to face in a one-game playoff. But uh, Sporting Kansas City is just going to be belligerent. And over the course of one game, they are going to wear you out. But over the course of two games... 
that's a lot of luck that has to go in their way and uh that's especially when it comes to the low leverage shots that they that they take uh i, I could see them going an entire uh two leg series without scoring a goal and that's not to say because they don't create shots it's just uh the the manner in which they create shots is just not uh given to yielding a lot of it, it it's streaky right feast or famine um, yes yeah i agree with you here like i really can't think of a, a better reason why and it just simply is that that this attack can just not produce goals sometimes um any attack any offense is obviously capable of that and uh bad luck can can turn any team um you know from a champion into a into a, a, a an also ran but uh i, I think with sport in Kansas City and their dedication to the system, their dedication to this idea, this this thing, is that if that doesn't work, there's not a plan B, there's not a plan C, there's not an adjustment that really can be made significantly to alter it. So um, for me, yeah, this is kind of uh, a situation where if, if if the gods favor sport in Kansas City, they're going to be nigh impossible to beat. Uh, but if they if they find, you know, if the shots aren't going in, it, it, it could be enough to kind of kind of knock them out early. So and we've seen that in the past. Like I, I'm not just basing that on nothing. Like like you said, like this is the last few years. This is what we have seen from Sporting Kansas City. So, um, all right. On the positive side, what is what is your top reason Sporting Kansas City will make the MLS Cup final? Now you said Atlanta is the best team in MLS, and I'm going to disagree with you here. Um, I think well. I won't say they're the best team in MLS. I think they're the best team in the Western Conference. Um, I think that them and New York have a have a claim to best team. But I mean, we we've said this like a, a, at least a dozen times in the time that we talked about Sporting Kansas City. We talked about all the different pieces that they have. This is a holistic system, and it doesn't work if one guy isn't doing his job. This is a unit, and they are well trained. They do what they do and they are the best at what they do okay um i'm gonna agree with that because i think that's you know an obvious choice so i'm gonna <laughs> add for something a little less uh obvious that because it's right because it's 100 percent right that's not critical i'm just saying it. it's hard to say anything else is a top reason no um, it, and i'm gonna it, it, i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and throw this out there felipe gutierrez is back okay this was the first guy <laughs> that we did in our uh a forgotten segment uh, that lasted for a few weeks of the is he elite, uh, and and based on a short return, we said that yes, yeah, he looks like he could be, um, and he has returned to form, and I think this guy could be a huge difference maker for them, um, and I think he's the kind of like player that while he's not while they are a system team, like I think he has the ability to be a difference maker. I think he has the ability uh, to do something magical, and that could be uh, the difference in Sporting Kansas City this year versus years past. My question to you. Yeah. What is his best position? Uh, midfield. <laughs> right? It's like one whole list. It's like just run all over from left yeah. to right and just cover all of it from the 18. That's like, uh, that's not even tackle, shoot, pass, intercept, whatever you want to do. He's going to be in there. Uh, I like <laughs> yeah. that about him, though. I do. I really like that about him. He's kind of, um, he's, a poor man's Ladero. He's, he's a poor man's Ladero. He is a, he is an upper middle class man's Ladero. <laughs> an upper middle class. Yeah, he's comfortable. <laughs> he has a pool, uh, not a hot tub, uh, but he, but he does have a pool and, and two cars <laughs> for the family. 
Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a great player. We haven't seen, I think, the full extent of what he can do this year because of injuries. Um, I think that he has been a little slow returning to form. Um, and he did just beat up against San Jose, which isn't a tremendous accomplishment, but it, it bodes well if I'm an SKC fan. And uh, yeah, uh, in addition to just all the things you said, which are obviously true, if there's one difference between this year and last year, I think it might be this guy. I I, th- I think that's totally fair, and it, and I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. <laughs> no. Kansas City. I mean, I I think uh yeah he he's definitely a guy that has tons of. Uh, plus tools. There's not one specific one that I, I think stands out. I think he's really good at a lot of different things. And uh, uh, it's all about whether or not he can stay healthy. I, I think given uh, the situation beforehand, it's just kind of a one-off scenario that he wasn't able to get he- or stay healthy. Um, injuries happen to every player over the course of the year and, and over the course of a career. So um, yeah, so long as he stays healthy, and uh, they continued being sporting Kansas City. Uh, Peter Vermees continues coaching him the way that Peter Vermees does uh, and demanding uh, what he does. Uh, I definitely, yeah, I think that there's probably no better team right now in MLS, or in the Western Conference, rather. All right. That's it. That's our deep dive. Two teams, one hour. We did it. Um, that's great. So uh, next week, uh, I guess, do we have our teams picked for next week, or are we going to kind of decide? No, it'll be Dallas and New York. Dallas. Oh, boy. Uh, okay. I'm going to get ready for FC Dallas because FC yeah, Dallas that's... is always, always a challenging one for us. <laughs> I, uh, I apologize uh, beforehand. There's going to be a lot of... Uh, but... <laughs> and uh, NYC FC, uh, my team that I so frequently praise, uh, is, is, is showing themselves to be a little less worthy of it these days. Well, this New York be... Red Bulls. New York oh, Red New York Red Bulls. Red Bulls. Yes. Even better. No, I have nothing but, but love for New York Red Bull, so that should be fine. Um, all right, well, that'll be a good one. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss our hemming and hawing. Uh, you can find Harrison on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at a handle for Ian. Um, you can find uh, American Soccer Analysis at Analysis Evolved. And please, I ask you this every week. And some of you are doing it, but I know there's some of you that aren't doing it. And I want to speak to you specifically. Visit www.americansocceranalysis.com content so much content xpg stuff playoff probabilities weekly columns from harrison weekly columns from me um you know we got guys that are just throwing in like all kinds of great stuff we've gotten all analytics us uh 11 coming for you next week you're gonna want to see that some surprises on that list not a lot but some Please visit the website. Check it out. It's free. It's a treasure trove of information for you and the American soccer fans in your life. Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you for listening. Uh, and until we see you again, enjoy the soccer. Make it soft.